Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Paul Mosenson, NewSpark Consulting. Today we're talking about something that's uh, very interesting to me, and it's data. And we're all data points anyway, and, and using data in marketing and sales is, is really uh, a growing field. And I have the pleasure of having a national thought leader on data, and specifically the concept of a CDP or a customer data platform. And that's David Robb. Hi, David. Hi, Paul. Good to how, chat. Hey, how are you? Let me uh, give a little bio of David. David Robb is uh, founder and CEO of the Customer Data Platform Institute. It's a vendor-neutral organization that helps companies make the best use of their customer data. Mr. Robb has been long experience as a marketing technology consultant and industry analyst. Prior to his consulting career, he made an honest living, okay, <laughs> as a marketer in the publishing and continuity industries. Mr. Robb is a graduate of Columbia College and the Harvard Business School. Very impressed. Very impressed. So let's go to the first obvious question, Dave, is uh, what exactly is a CDB or customer data platform? So the official definition of customer data platform of the CDP Institute is that it is a piece of package software that builds a unified persistent customer database that's accessible to other systems. So putting that in English, it's package software. It's not something that your IT department builds for you on a custom basis like a data warehouse, which means that it's gonna be probably faster to deploy, most likely cheaper to buy, most likely less risk that it'll actually not deliver what it's supposed to deliver. It is unified, persistent customer data, Unified, meaning that it takes data from all sources at any level of detail you want to put in, and it collects it and organizes it around the customer. Persistent, meaning that it actually stores the data in its own database as opposed to just reading the source systems when you need it. And the reason that you have to have a persistent data store is for things like trend analysis. And because the source systems might not necessarily keep all the data that you want, because they tend to throw away old data, or they put it in places that are inaccessible. And then finally, it's a database. It's actually organized. It's actually accessible. And then the third about the accessible to other systems means that other systems can use it. So the CDP doesn't just build this database for its own purposes, like, say, personalization. It actually makes it available for any other system that needs customer data. So now all the systems in your company are working off the same information and you can do coordination with things like having segments assigned to people and every system recognizes the same person as being in that same segment. Okay, let me follow up with that then because again, I'm treating this as people not as familiar with this. So when you talk about customer data, this is a company's own database of current and past customers or buyers and this data company or this data platform manages that data with their behaviors for marketing efforts or what, can you go into that a little further 
Sure. So, you know, a stranger is a friend you haven't met, right? Uh, you know, a, a prospect is a customer you haven't sold to yet. So in, in one sense, of course, a customer could be anyone, but usually within the CDP, we're dealing with the company's own data, first party data, which is the data about its own customers who have in fact bought something from you and that they have provided to you directly. There's no reason that you can't store third party data or external data like prospect data that you bought from somewhere else in the CDP, but by and large, that's a different issue. And the CDP itself is really storing data that's coming from your CRM system, from your order processing system, from your website, from your mobile apps, all the places that you're collecting data about people who are interacting with you directly. And of course, the problem that you're dealing with is each of those systems collects that data, but then it just stores it internally, creates the famous data silos that we hear so much about. And the CDP pulls the data out of the silos and puts it into one big central location where it's then, as I say, assembled into these unified customer profiles so you can get a complete picture of each customer. Usually it is used by marketing. In fact, the original definition that we had was it was a marketer managed system that built a unified persistent database, but there are many applications outside of marketing. In particular, customer success frequently wants to use customer data. There are also applications and sales systems and usually you're gonna sync the data into the CRM or sometimes though the CRM isn't set up to store the level of detail that's in a CDP, in which case you would simply have the CRM basically open a window and then view the full customer data that's in the CDP without literally importing it into the CRM system. I see. What, what are the most common or examples of data that's captured in CDPs? And then what do marketers do with that data, for example, as far as tactics go? Well, usually, as I say, the sources will almost always be your CRM system. So your direct customer interactions with your, through your sales or your service department, that's what's in the CRM. Uh, often you'll get data from whatever order processing or e-commerce system you have. Typically, you'll also get data from a website. If you're capturing web interactions, there's almost always a tag, a data collection tag, or sometimes you'll get a feed from a tag manager. So again, you're getting the data from the multiple sources of direct interaction with your customers. In terms of what marketers do with it, there's actually an entire maturity model that we look at. But, you know, the first thing you do with it once you've assembled it is you actually look at it and do some analysis because you didn't ever before have that complete picture of the customer. And there are a lot of insights to be gathered about things like the customer journey, for example, once you can stitch together all the pieces with all the information coming from different sources. Beyond that, then typically people are doing segmentation and running campaigns. It's much easier to do the segmentation. You can get a much richer segmentation because you're working with much better data. So now you can do more targeting, better targeted campaigns to smaller segments and more uh, precisely defined segments. So that's a typical outbound use case. And then a little more sophisticated still would be to use the CDP to power real-time interactions on your website, for example, or on your call center, where the system would either simply provide the data about the customer, the rich, complete data about that customer for an external personalization engine to run models against or to run rules against and, and decide what the next best action is. Or some CDPs have those capabilities built in so they can actually tell the other system, okay, here's the message to send. 
I want to give an example, and it's probably the most common example you may see out there. And let me know if I'm uh, on track or not. But Amazon, right? I'm an Amazon Prime member. I might be searching for a product. I may not buy it, but it knows that I've seen products. I've seen different services that Amazon has. And all of a sudden, I might be getting ads and emails um, because they know who I am. Is that a, a basic example of how this could work? Yeah, retargeting is actually a classic. And you're right, it is one of the most common CDP use cases. And what makes a use case a CDP use case is that it involves data from multiple sources. That's really the thing the CDP provides that most companies don't have already. So if you're going to retarget on your own website, that's within the web system. It tracked what you look at. And then the next time you come back to the website, it says, oh, here's that pair of shoes that you were looking at, but put in your shopping cart, but didn't buy. You don't need a CDP to do that because that data is all sitting in the website itself. But the minute you want to take that information and now push it out and run a display ad or send it in a custom audience to Facebook so you can market that same product to that same person through another channel, now you have two systems that are connected. Your web personalization system doesn't talk directly to those other systems. So now you pull it into the CDP. The CDP organizes it, makes sense of it, segments it, does all its magic. And now you push that out to those other channels. So that kind of cross-channel retargeting, that's a very typical CDP use case. The other thing that the CDP use case typically includes with retargeting specifically is updating really quickly. You did buy that pair of shoes. Now you want to of course stop all the other ads in the other channels. It's often traditionally been done through a kind of a laborious manual process of pulling out the buyer lists from the e-commerce system and doing some matching and some merging and pushing them out. And, you know, three days later you update your audience list and you stop sending them the ad in those other channels. But of course, for those three days, the customer has been seeing that and has been getting increasingly cranky at you. So the CDP can make that conversion in minutes and stop the retargeting very, very quickly so you avoid annoying your customers. Another classic CDP application. Right, right. That sounds like almost building in um, like frequency caps and things like that, somewhere maybe. But um so that's interesting, though, because, you know, when we do display advertising, you know, obviously with Facebook, LinkedIn, and even some ad platforms, DSPs, demand side platforms, whatever you call it, you know, there is that concept of uploading customers that are opted in and sending them messages like list match, customer match, Google has a program, things like that. So is that part of this, this scenario here is like if you take your data and you segment similar behaviors of that data so that you can reach them on the internet through custom messaging to engage them further? Is that like another example? Yeah, exactly right. The CDP would be where you would build out those audiences and then you would push them into your DMP or your DSP or directly to you know Facebook or someone who has a custom audience platform uh, or service. But again, the value of the CDP is the audiences are smarter audiences because they're based on better data. So, and yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like anybody can do that, but they don't have a strategy, right? They might say one message fits all, but if you have a large database with different um, data points for these customers and you segment them, then like you said, it's smarter list matching basically. Correct. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Cause I, you know, 
with a typical like DSP ad platform, you, you see all these audiences of like DMPs, digital management platforms. And so, so they take data from like the uh, Oracle data cloud or um, Experian and places like that. Is that a scenario where you can take those third party audiences and overlay that with large first party data from CDPs and even have other kinds of targeting campaigns? You can do that if you want to. Now, DMPs from things like Oracle Data Cloud, for example, are designed to deal with these really huge masses of data, right? And, and return audiences or audience segments very, very quickly. So there's a certain design technically that you use to do that. And the CDP is really designed for a different use case where you're dealing with much more detailed data about individual people who are usually known as opposed to anonymous, which is usually in DMP, they're anonymous, just a cookie ID. So you build a little differently. It's hard to make one system do both. So they tend to synchronize and work with each other as opposed to one replacing the other. But it's definitely part of the same ecosystem. Right, right. Just a sidebar question. I mean, CDPs are obviously focused on first party data, right? Yep. Um, and we always hear about third-party data, but just for the people who don't understand, like, just I'm going to ask the question: What is, in your view, what is second-party data? So, second-party data is data that is shared between two companies who are sharing their first-party data. So, I'm American Express, and I'm working with Hilton Hotels, and I take my customer list, and they take their customer list. Typically, they hash the IDs, hashing meaning that they convert the IDs into something that doesn't actually contain, say, the email address, if that's the ID, but is unique. So if each company has the same email address on their file, it'll hash to the same hashed ID, and they can find a match. Say, okay, this person's on both lists. So you combine that data. Usually, it's sent off to a trusted third party. So neither company has to expose its actual data to the other company. And now you know who's on which list, who's on both lists. You've attached attributes such, such as age or income or buying status or whatever to that. So each party can then go in and do a lot of interesting segmentation on that data. And then if they find an audience within, they can figure out which people are in their customer base already were not their customers they can then go back and ask usually the partners say okay here's a group of folks that we know are not our customers we know they're your customers they meet our criteria because we've done our segmentation send them an email for us and you tell them what email to send so the data doesn't actually have to be transferred or exposed to the other party but the, both parties can combine their data and do interesting things that's second party data i see good to know thanks when you talk about inside a company, so they have a CDP and they, I guess I'm going to um, figure like through meetings and thing, they decide, oh, we need, we're going to do a campaign to eight separate audiences based on all of these factors as compiled through a CDP. So they have eight different campaigns running, for example. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is they also have to integrate that obviously with um, salespeople and so they know what's going on, but also you know, creative teams, because it's not just the data, but it's the message. And you have to decide with your creative team, you know, groups of ads, emails, 
other kinds of campaigns, right? And then determine the offers and landing pages. So it, it can get pretty sophisticated in that process, correct? Yep. Yeah. So um, so it really is a it's, it's it is a process. You know, I don't know like how many companies have this. I mean, obviously, is it catered to larger businesses? And then what is the uh, trigger events to for a company to say we need this because we don't have it? Um, you know, it's basically like we need to improve our marketing and get more targeted. Like, what are other trigger events, and what kinds of companies um, would be best suited? All right, let me go back to your previous question because sure. I think. I think what you were asking is how much of that happens in the CDP. And that's a point of great confusion sure, okay. in the universe. Uh, there's about a hundred or so CDP vendors that we're aware of, and they vary greatly in the scope of functionality that they provide. It's probably the most confusing thing about the CDP market. So all CDPs build that unified persistent shareable customer database. That's what makes it a CDP. Sometimes, that's all they do. And then they would take that data and they would share it out to say a campaign system that would build the kind of eight campaigns that you're talking about there. Right. All right. Other CDPs have that campaign functionality built in. They might also have predictive modeling or machine learning or artificial intelligence capabilities built in. Again, some do, some don't. So it is a good thing in the sense that if I'm a buyer, and I want to buy a CDP, I can buy a CDP that has whatever scope I need to buy. If the only thing I need is that database, because I already have great personalization tools and great campaign tools and great predictive modeling tools, I just have to buy a CDP that does the database building and sharing. If on the other hand, I don't have great campaign tools or modeling tools, and I want to buy one system that does them all, there are quite a number of CDPs who offer that to me as well. So it gets a little tricky when you try to ask, well, what is the CDP? What's it do? So, well, different CDPs do different things, but they all build that unified database. That's what makes them a CDP. So, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. so in, ter in terms of your question about trigger events, okay, why does someone buy a CDP? They buy a CDP because there's something that they want to do that they can't do today. And that something creates a gap that the CDP can fill. So I want to do multi-channel campaigns, but none of my systems in each channel talk to each other. Not an uncommon situation, right? Well, the CDP will both pull the data from those systems and then push the unified data back to those systems. And maybe if I buy the right CDP, it can even push unified campaigns back to those systems that says, okay, web system, here's the messages you should send to this customer when they show up, okay, email system, here's the messages you should send to that customer and here's when, when you should send them. Okay, mobile app, here's the messages you should distribute out and so on. So again, that orchestration bit is separate from that unified persistent database. It's not something that all CDPs do, but I can find an orchestration engine inside a CDP if I want that, or I can simply buy a separate orchestration engine and connect the CDP to it and let the orchestration engine outside the CDP then connect to those channel systems. But either way, what makes it a CDP use case in that example is that I need that unified data. So it's needing the unified data and not having the unified data already. That's sort of the trigger event that always makes you buy a CDP. And then there may be other things that you also are lacking 
that you have to fill as gaps that the CDP provides. And if you need them, you buy a CDP that has those capabilities as well. Well, that's also part of uh, building knowledge of um, trying to determine what CDP you want to have. Again, you said based on what do you have internally, it might be easier just to use the whole unified platform with the emails and all the orchestrations, like you said. You just have to ask questions and be knowledgeable what questions to ask because they're all going to sell you different bells and whistles, I guess, or advantages just, you know, and features, I guess. And um, so you just have to make a decision, I guess, between feature set, what you have in-house, costs, things like that, right? Yeah, it's no different from buying a car or anything else. Do I need to tow a trailer? Well, okay, then I'll get a car that has the, you know, the, the engine and the suspension and so on to tow a trailer. If I don't need to tow trailers, I'm not going to buy that car. But you have to know in advance whether you're going to tow a trailer or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the words that comes to my mind with all of this is engagement and personalization. Right, because that's a big word in marketing right now. Is you know, you, there's all these companies. You know, they ch- change website messaging based on who's visiting or things like that. But this is all about the more relevant and personal your messages are to a prospect, the more likely they're going to pay attention and act, which is the bottom line. Absolutely, and personalization is certainly one of our core buzzwords in marketing these days, and comes under a bit of fire occasionally now people worry about being over personalized and you know personalization versus being creepy is a, a concern and personalization versus privacy is something that's often opposed to each other um, we see that we actually think it's less of a problem or less of a paradox than many people realize because if you ask customers if they want personalized advertising they will say no Almost everybody says no. What they want is they want appropriate treatments. So what they want you to personalize is not the advertising. They want you to personalize the experience. And it's a significant difference. So they want to have their returns handled efficiently. And that requires knowledge about what you bought from them previously, for example. So that kind of personalization from a customer perspective is a good personalization because it makes my life easier. The personalization that says, oh, I'm going to send you advertisements based on your web browsing, that's creepy personalization that a lot of people really don't want to see. So it's less of a conflict, but it's certainly something the marketers have to be aware of. Yeah, for sure. Actually, you brought up another thought in my head this is one of the spontaneous questions. There's a big, uh, it's been around for a while too, this phrase of customer experience. And do you integrate with customer experience platforms or is it similar? Is it complementary? Is that a, a, a relevant question? And how would you answer? <laughs> so customer experience is a term that is probably even less well-defined than CDP. Uh, Actually, we think CDP is very well-defined, but customer experience, it kind of has two meanings. You know, there's a narrower meaning that really says it's customer service. And my example just now about the use case, about the returns, for example, is a good example of that, where, yes, the CDP provides data that allows the customer service system or the customer experience platform in that case do a better job because it has more complete data. Now there's another broader 
meaning that's sometimes applied to customer experience, which is like, well, every interaction the customer has with the company in any channel for any purpose, anything from advertising, you know, right down to returns processing and, and uh, repair services and field service and such, okay? That's a much broader meaning for customer experience. The common thread between the narrow meaning and the broad meaning is both are involving interacting with customers. So it's just how many purposes and how many channels. In both cases, those systems need good data. It would be rare for any particular customer service platform itself to gather all the data that you need. It might not even be possible. So the CDP is in most cases going to be able to give the customer experience platform additional and better data than the customer experience platform can gather just through its own direct interactions. So they are pretty complementary concepts. Now, again, you know, getting back to our notion about CDPs, there are some customer experience platforms that have a CDP capability, which in that context would mean that not only can they work with the data that they gather directly, but they could import data from other places. That would be one of the criteria that, of a CDP that a customer experience platform might or might not meet. They all build a database, customer experience platforms. But does that database include data that was generated outside? And on the other side of it, does the customer experience platform allow access to that data by other systems than its own interfaces? Those would be the two additional capabilities that you would look at to say, yes, this customer experience platform has a true CDP inside of it. Right. That makes sense, <laughs> for sure. Let's go to uh, measurement and you know, with Facebook, display campaigns, email, whatever, anything that's non-last-click conversion is hard to measure, right? And, you know, marketers, you know, there's always challenges with things like attribution and things like that. Um, do you want to talk about measuring campaigns with CDPs? Is it typical like any other marketing campaign or is there any other variables that you look at? Well, the CDP often is used as the basis of the information to measure the marketing results, again, because it has that complete view. So at least in theory, the CDP lets you pull together the complete customer journey so you can do your analysis and understand not simply did somebody click on an ad, but what happened after the fact. And if you really have the data available, who was in the audience so who saw the ad but didn't click on it. Now the limit, as you well know, is that that data is not always available. People like Facebook and Google don't necessarily share that data. So, you know, the CDP is not magic. It can't get, it can't process data that is not available out there in the world to any system. But if the data is available, then the CDP can pull it in and kind of make the best possible use of it. And again, similarly in the, sense of not being magic. If you can't connect that data to an individual because it's just simply not possible to do that because it's totally entirely anonymous and there's no identifier available, the CDP is going to be limited to that as well. Most CDPs really don't even take in data unless it's connected to some sort of a individual level identifier, although it's not impossible, but uh, the CDP kind of isn't really designed to work with that sort of data. So there are systems that just do campaign level analysis and 
those are not particularly CDPs, although many CDPs are used for campaign analysis as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can get um, a little bit in the weeds. You really need, you know, analytics gurus to really understand it. And because at the end of the day, with any kind of marketing campaign, no matter what tools you use, you know, we always have to measure what effect does it have somehow, right? Whether it is attribution modeling and um, view conversions or however you do it, you know, with your tag managers and all your coding and things like that. But I don't want to get too much in the weeds right now on that. <laughs> but um, uh, few, just a couple more questions here. I hear, I assume that this is mostly a B2C slash e-commerce um, scenario, but I could be wrong. But is are there B two B applications here, or my, um, or what are your thoughts on the, the business categories best suited for this? It started out being primarily in retail and B two C retail, and also in publishing. Both industries where you have a very large mass of data, you have a lot of in- transactions that are all relatively uh, low ticket. In most cases, they all are quick to resolve so the buying cycle is really short you know you you click on it you buy it you put it in your shop you buy it Um, that's where they started about three years ago since then as the fundamental notion of having unified customer data has become more broadly accepted as the people have realized they could actually buy something as opposed to having to build their own it's been adopted in more and more industries. So now we're seeing it much more in financial services. Now we're seeing it much more in transportation. We're now seeing it much more in B2B. To your question, there's a number of specialist B2B CDPs uh, in addition, uh, lattice engines purchased by um, Dun & Bradstreet, obviously a B2B vendor. Uh, so the B2B people have kind of come to this CDP space as well. It took them a long time, again, because it's the exact opposite of, re- of online retail, right? You know, this long cycle, it's high ticket, it's it's complicated buying process. So right. it, it's not only harder to unify the data, but it's harder to sort of make sense and to understand exactly how you're gonna use it. But also in B2B, there's a much more strong presence of CRM systems and marketing automation systems. So I think a lot of B2B marketers kind of expected that those systems would solve the problem. And it took quite a while to find out that in fact they weren't going to. And now that is pretty clear to most people, which is why you have people like Salesforce building a proper out CDP because they come to admit to themselves that, you know, uh, our existing solutions really aren't going to cut it. We need something else. So it's much more now in B2B than it used to be. Gotcha. And also one follow-up question with that target audience though, um, affordability, like is it skewed toward enterprise or mid-market as well? Uh, definitely in mid-market. It's certainly the, a lot of the initial deployments were at the enterprise level, but in things like retail, you had specialists who built out, you know, retail-specific CDPs like Agile One, for example, just bought by Acquia. So those had that full scope of capability, you know, the analytics and the campaign management, in addition to the data assembly. And when you, the more you provide 
marketing specific functionality, the more likely you are that you're going to want to be industry specific as well, because you know, retail marketing isn't really the same as travel marketing. Certainly there's a lot of things that are in common, but the data models are different. The data sources are different. So if you're going to really try to give the marketing department kind of as much as it needs in one system, you tend to be more industry focused. So the mid market systems tend to be those broader scope CDPs that include not just the assembly of the data, but also, as I say, the analytics and the campaigning. And, and sometimes now we're even seeing delivery systems like email systems or web CMSs incorporate a, a CDP capability. And that's why Nakia buys, buys an Agile one. Uh, that's still sort of the exception, but it's becoming more and more common. And that's okay, you know, marketers, particularly in the mid-market, don't want to pay the integration costs. So they're much mm -hmm. happier to buy one system that does everything. We don't see too much in the very sure. small business segment. You know, we see there's a couple now. There actually are a handful, might be a half dozen at this point of small business CDPs. But, you know, in small business, as you well know, they tend to try to use an all-in-one system anyhow. They want one. So they don't have this multi-system headache and small in the really small businesses that you do in say mid-tier businesses. Gotcha. Uh, so the final question, where can people learn more about CDP and you allowed to be promotional? So um, where do people start to research this? Well, cdpinstitute.org would work just fine. Or actually, I think if you go to customerdataplatform.com, I believe that domain also is like, uh, goes to the CDP Institute. But cdpinstitute.org is the website of the Institute. As I say, it has information on dozens of vendors, actually, and huge library of white papers, uh, blogs, uh, event calendar, all free. Uh, just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get a newsletter every day. Lucky you. Uh, that keeps you up to date on the industry and actually on MarTech in general. Um, and lots of, you know, vendor directory, lots of good stuff there. And that, that's the place to go for pretty much anything you want to know. Okay, very good. Well, this has been very informative and interesting for sure. And uh, I want to thank you for joining me today for the podcast. And um, it's, it's something to think about with companies, with how they manage their own data and their marketing strategy. And it, it really does make sense to um, include some of this in your stack and it's certainly worth going to the website and researching this further if you don't have one and decide if it's right for you sounds good to me thanks for having me paul thanks for listening subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights fix the convince